Welcome to the Southwest Londoners podcast on the greatest sport in the world. Kick back, relax, and listen as we chat non-stop about the Six Nations. Tom Masters is deflated by England. Thomas turns on his beloved Italy. Finally. Johnny tries to read for the first time, apparently. Hello, welcome back. Welcome to the Southwest Londoners Six Nations podcast. I'm Chris Byfield. Alongside me, I have my pals. Thomas, how have you been doing in the last week or so? Very well, trying to get over uh, Italy's abject performance at the Six Nations, but uh, good to be back here again talking about it. I'm glad you had so long to get over it because you'll have to deal with it for another few weeks still. Louis, how's it been going? Yeah, not too bad. I'm really looking forward to the rugby at the weekend. It'd be a nice reprieve from uh, not having rugby, I suppose. Johnny, how's it going, bro? Yeah, it's decent, mate. Feeling good. Excited for the return of the ragger. Yeah, so am I, mate. And Tom Masters? Hello, mate. I was so bored last weekend. Can't wait for the Six Nations to return. So essentially, three of you can't wait. One of you seems mildly traumatised by the uh, <laughs> by the prospect. That's good to know. Anyway, we're going to tuck into some uh, Six Nations preview over the next half hour or so, so I hope you enjoy. Sometimes you have to throw a bit of terrible chat into the podcast. Sometimes you have to throw a bit of terrible chat into the podcast. Terrible chat, terrible chat, terrible chat, terrible chat, terrible chat, terrible chat. Cheerio, guys. Thanks so much for coming. England versus France. The big one. Some interesting team news in this one. Actually, Eddie Jones has decided to change it up. Tom Masters wearing your England top. Give me some... England analysis of the team sheet. Uh, yeah, so he's made uh, a few changes. One in particular I liked was Max Mayans in for Elliot Daly, who is lucky to have a place on the bench, actually, to be honest, based on his previous performances this tournament. Um, he's also put Charlie Ewells in the second row, uh, which possibly adds a little bit more bulk to the England pack. I mean, when we get to the French team, I'm sure Louis will be talking about how big that pack is, so might be needed. Um, but other than that, I think same again, really. And we'll see how much the England backline can get out of Ben Youngs and George Ford. Uh, don't want to sound like a broken record, but uh, I'm not convinced. To, to be honest, mate, um, I kind of came at you thinking you'd have a bit more enthusiasm. I had a week off, but I've never, I've never heard a man sound so miserable. Sounds like you need a hug. <laughs> I was actually really positive when I first saw the England team. And then I saw the French team and I was like, oh. <laughs> the French team are rather good. To be honest, it makes more sense to talk about France in depth before we talk about England because they actually have a chance of winning this tournament. Louis, how confident are you that this France team can turn over a quite dire England side thus far in the tournament? I think France can be pretty confident after their two performances against England last year, you know, getting that win at the Stade de France, which was. I was there and it was quite a spectacular atmosphere. The French public were clearly ready for uh, French rugby to be back to its best. And then taking England into extra time with a third team shows that they're not really scared of this England side anymore. They know all these players who've been around for a while and uh, I think they can handle them, even with uh, a couple of important players missing, especially 
Bernard LaRue, who's essentially the engine of that forward pack all by himself. He makes the most tackles in that side and he's always hitting rucks. And, you know, occasionally he gets sim binned, but uh, we'll let him off that. Uh, otherwise, uh, that French back line is full of talent, like way more, even more so than before. We've seen uh, Artur Vincent fill in for Virmi Vakatao for the last few weeks, who's been pretty good. Having Virmi Vakatawa back gives uh, Mathieu Jalibert plenty of options uh, for that first pass off 10 on first phase. And I think that back three is France's best potential back three with Teddy Thomas, Damien Pernot and Brice Doulin, who are all excellent counter-attackers and just superb runners with the ball. Although I would be slightly concerned with their defence and their cover as a back three against an England team who kick a lot is going to be important. We've seen in the last two France-England games, kicking has been by far the most important aspect of the game. Like There's been a huge amount of kick tennis, so we'll have to see how that works out for them. Johnny, you nodded at kick tennis. Talk to me about kick tennis. Yeah, I think obviously we're getting Youngs, Ford and Farrell again, which we know exactly what's coming, basically. We're, we're going to go for the kick game. I, I think realistically, if we want to win the match, that's the best route to do it. However, I think long-term, we are still in need of, of moving away from that. It's clearly been found out. I'd like to think Jones has something a bit different up his sleeve. I'm looking at the England team. I'm not as, I'm not as, um, as terrified as Tom is. I, I, I think we've got a chance. I, I always think we've got a chance with England under Jones. He's a bit like Mourinho. He can sort of turn up on the day with, an, with a perfect game plan and just pull one out the bag which is one of the reasons why I love having Jones as our coach. But at the same time, I'm looking at this England team at the moment. I'm sort of, I'm looking at that second row position alongside Atoje. Is that the strength it was when England were at their peak? We don't really have those four options like we did with Laws, uh, Launchbury, Itoje, and Cruz, who were all playing at the top of their game sort of simultaneously. And then similarly, um, in the centre, it feels like as, as much as I love Farrell at 12, and I really do, I, I think it's the strongest position. Sometimes I think him and him and Slade together don't offer enough physically. And and as Louis said, with Vakatawa, I just I'm I'm worried that you know it could it could become a bit of a bit of a nightmare in the middle of the park for England. I, but at the same time, I feel like if we can get the ball wide, right in the right moments and and execute well may and watson i back all day i know what's i've seen watson get some stick at points um despite obviously his stunning performance um performances throughout the tournament but i i really really am most fascinated by that wing wing battle at the moment thomas do you think johnny is delusional or tom masters is miserable or but all like those both both of those things could be true it's up to you Really? Yeah, both really, but both. I don't know if we're maybe like exaggerating a little bit just how many changes Jones has made because at the end of the day, he's going to be playing the same style, isn't he? Uh, I also wonder from France's point of view, if I can sort of critique everybody here, <laughs> whether the, the month-long layoff from COVID, I mean, let's not forget they literally had double figures. I don't know if double figures was in the team or just in the in the coaching, coaching staff as well, Lou. I think there were at least 10 players, yeah at least 10 players. And we've obviously seen in football how some players haven't come back quite the same from that. I don't know if we're maybe expecting a bit too much from them to to go back straight back to that kind of high-octane style that they had before. Uh, so that will be really interesting. But I also thought it was interesting how there's a lot of talk about how this 44-8 defeat to England 
two years ago kind of precipitated the new generation of French stars who came through and whether a France victory here might have a similar effect for England, a kind of great leveller. Tom, when you look at this France team, are you quaking in your boots? You kind of referenced that you were earlier. Do they, do they put fear in you? Yeah, I, I think definitely, yes. But in a, in a way that I'm excited. I'm excited to see them play. They're, they're, France should be good. It's good for rugby if France are good. And obviously for the last decade, France were not particularly good. They haven't won the Six Nations since 2010. And so it's nice to see them like, at the peak of their powers now. But I just think with in terms of people like Vakatawa and then they've got their, you know, Teddy Toma and Peno. I just think that France have more X-factor players in that team. Johnny mentioned it with Farrell at 12 and Said at 13. They're both very solid players. They're both good players. But I just feel like without someone like Manu Tuolangi or Oli Lawrence or someone like that in the midfielding, I lack that same X-factor that France have with Vakatawa. So, I mean, we'll see on, on Saturday whether sort of kicking game can trump X-factor flowing rugby. OK, and then Louis, are you scared of facing the single side or are you uh, excited? A bit of both. I think they, they should be scared because an England pack at Twickenham is always scary. And I think even though France have a combined 260 kilos in their second row, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to handle Atoje and Curry and the like. I think it's pretty obvious to say, but when it comes to France-England games, the kicking game is super important. And then set piece and which forward pack gets the upper hand. France have got two second rows who can't jump because they're both huge. So that's two lifters. And then you have just two line-out options in Dylan Crutter and uh, Charles Olivon. So Maratoja will be targeting that line-out all day. He'll know to keep an eye on Olivon because he catches like 60% of France's line-outs. And at the scrum, England have a huge amount of experience compared to that. That French front row who played, you know, a good like 10 games together now by Awas and uh, Marshall in the middle but they still haven't really convinced. So if England can get the upper hand in the set piece, then I think they should be scared. Every time you said line out, I had that PTSD of Johnny singing line out to the tune of wine out from a couple of episodes ago. We don't need to talk about that, Chris. We, yeah. we, we can move I on. think we've retired that one. It was like Vietnam flashbacks every time I heard it. Like, whoa. Um, okay, I'm going to go around and quickly ask score prediction, and then we're going to move on to Italy, Wales. So, Thomas, as a neutral, score prediction for this one. Uh, I think this is going to be a big win for France. I've, I'm going to say 24 10. Wonderful. Um, Tom Masters, you miserable git. Uh, yeah, I should probably brighten up a bit. Uh, but I'm going to go. I think it's going to be quite a fun game. From a French perspective, I think they'll score a fair amount of points. I'm going to go 34-18, France. Louis, what do you think? These are huge scores we're putting out there. I'm going to be a bit more conservative. I'm going to say 26-20 to France. That's uh, what I associate Louis with, right of centre, conservatism. I'll cut that. Johnny, what do you think? <laughs> Can you not cut that? Um, although I do understand that not many people would realise that you were being sarcastic. Um, I'm going to uh, go with a hipster decision, Chris. I'm going 17 all. A draw. Hey. Yeah. Points for everyone, you bloody Marxist. Anyway, <laughs> on to the next game. One, two, three. The sheriff that is The sheriff that is Ken Owens. Rock the the Casper. The sheriff don't mind it. He thinks it's not kosher. Rock 
Thomas is Italy, the Hugh Edwards is Wales. Um, <laughs> don't know why he was the Welshman that came to my head, but alas. Um, Wales have picked a really strong team for this. Do we reckon they're going to go for that bonus point this weekend? I mean, definitely. If they're not going for the bonus point win, then there's not really any point turning up. I think they've obviously picked the same team to just continue their momentum and say, we stuck with these guys so far, so let's take this all the way, all the way to the Grand Slam. And uh, it also just, playing Italy helps to build some confidence usually, assuming it doesn't uh, go all pear-shaped. So I think, yeah, picking a strong side is only going to help them. Uh, although Italy, I think after that performance against Ireland a couple of weeks ago, will definitely show up and bring a bit more, bring a bit more energy and a bit more composure. I think they, they lost it a bit against Ireland. I think uh, it was a bit of uh, inexperience after playing those first two games and not really getting anywhere. Italy kind of fell apart a bit against Ireland. I think they've had two weeks to sort of settle down and maybe they'll play a bit more conservative. We'll see, although Stuart Varney might be back fit. So we'll see whether they, uh, they change things up a bit to try and stifle Wales for as long as possible. Do you agree with that um, assessment, Thomas? That, why, uh, that Italy are going to try and play a bit more conservative this time? Yeah, I, d I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think Louis was actually pretty, pretty nice about them there. Um, I was pretty frustrated by Italy last time out. I had, you know, the the Italian flag out on my balcony. I had I had all the, you know, all the trimmings for that match. And then they let me down like that, 30th, 30th um, successive defeat. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that Franco Smith afterwards was, was saying that it's going to take Italy eight years to be a competitive championship side, which if you imagine like a, a football manager saying that, for you know, two World Cup spells essentially. It's not. It's not very inspiring. And the other really inspiring uh, quote is, "We have to crawl before we can walk," which makes me wonder what they were doing before the crawling. Presumably, they were like embryonic for a couple of. Well, they've been embryonic for about ten years or so, or whatever. It's really tricky because we've talked in previous pods about what you know, what is a sign of progress for for Italy. And sure, there's been some good attacking spells but that defense is just so leaky and doesn't really inspire much confidence I also think the fact that it's been three years since they even you know what got like a losing bonus point that's probably a greater sign of things um I just wonder with this big deal as well with CBC this 365 million pound deal with the the private equ equity firm obviously they can't they're not going to kick Italy out of the competition or anything I don't think but it does it does beg the question how how entertaining a prospect are this Italy side at the moment really? Um, I, I would I would argue they've offered some some positive stuff. I'm probably sounding quite a negative compared to I, previous podcasts, but I don't I just I don't see. I think their chance was against Ireland. I was kind of hopeful that they could do something against an Ireland side who were obviously flagging a bit, um, but it just didn't happen. And you know Wales looked too good at the moment. You know, you have been a bit negative. I mean, the fact that you've been so positive in previous podcasts and then just compared your beloved Italy to an unborn fetus uh, makes me think, uh, yeah, you're not that inspired this morning. But, I mean, Tom, Wales aren't... Uh, Wales keep winning, but they're not that good, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Do you agree? They're not great. They've rode their luck, definitely. Um across the Six Nations. We spoke about the refereeing in the last one. Uh, that obviously helped against England, but I think they would have won that game anyway. But then obviously the two red cards prior to that. So they've certainly had 
kind of the rubber the green with the refereeing decisions. But then they've been unbelievably ruthless. I think Scotland was the main example of that. They basically only got into the Scottish 22 like three times and they scored tries of all of them. So I think you can, yeah, they've, they've read their luck, but I think you've got to give them a lot of credit as well because they've come into this with no one rating them as Wales. Has, that seems to happen like every two years with Wales. They come in, no one rates them and then they just beat everyone. And um, I think they've been pretty good defensively, pretty solid. So fair play to them. Fair play to them indeed. Johnny Bray, the last person I want to talk about it. No, sorry. <laughs> <what I meant. laughs> last person you want to talk to, Chris. Why don't, you, why don't you just throw your cards on the table? Come up. I mean, I mean I want that's, to how, go- that's how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, I meant, Johnny Bray, what do you think of this game? <laughs> nice, we got there. Um, I, uh, I, I am very impressed that Wales have been able to, uh, you know, get over the line in so many games, despite obviously being the jammiest team in the world at the moment. Uh, they have genuinely managed to um, to put together some results, which I wasn't expecting under Pivac um, in this tournament. So you'd expect them to get the win here, obviously. Uh, it's just a matter of by how much. But regardless, that big game is a... Uh, against France in the in the next round so that's what we're that's what I'm looking forward to and I think uh I'd just like to see you know them lay down the uh, foundations for a good performance there fair enough I feel that um score predictions are quite complicated so I'm not going to ask you for score predictions for this game but I'm going to ask you two questions first of which I'm going to go around and say um are Wales going to win this tournament and you just give me a yes or a no and I'm also going to ask are Italy going to win a tournament in eight years and you're going to give me a yes or a no. So I'm going to start with Tom Masters. Um, Wales, do you think they're going to win this tournament? No. Okay, are Italy going to win whatever's happening in eight years' time? No. Okay. Johnny? Yeah, I'll, all right, go on. I'll, I'll, I'll come over to the Welsh side now. Go on, yeah, Wales are going to win the tournament. Um, but more just because I, I feel like France will bottle it eventually, whereas Wales, if they were going to bottle it before, they would have already bottled it, in my opinion. And um, with Italy, no, but I do think they'll crack the top four before the next eight years is out. And I keep saying, mate, like, listen, they are improved. They are going to get better. They're going to get better. All, these test ma- all this test match experience can only help. Lovely. Louis, are uh, France going to bottle it? Are Wales going to win the tournament? I think uh, Wales are most likely to bottle it. I'm going to say France or Scotland will win it. Nice. And Italy? Yeah, I think they can do it in a decade, seven, eight years, sure. Eight years, okay. Franco Smith really gunning for that job security, isn't he? Um, Thomas, what do you think? Firstly, Wales. Yeah, I think they're going to win it. I think they're, they're kind of the perfect perfect winners for this COVID-impacted and weird uh, weird tournament. And to present your question on Italy, I'll be there, 2029, uh, 20, 2029 Six Nations, uh, with my Italian flag, and I fully expect them to, to bring home the trophy. Tomas, Italian flag in one hand, windmilling his T-shirt in the other, chanting songs in Italian that even he doesn't understand. Okay, brilliant. That was lovely. Next, we'll be talking about Scotland v. Ireland. It's a sin, sin. Scotland 
versus Ireland. Another big game, to be honest. All big games this week. Can Ireland get a win? Can Scotland regain some composure and gun for that tournament victory they so desperately want? I'm going to start with Tom Masters. Who do you fancy in this game? I see this game as Ireland's forwards be Scotland's backs, uh, which makes always makes for a fun game when, when that's the case. Um, not that Scotland's forwards are bad, but I just think Ireland have a lot of power in there and I've been really impressed with the likes of CJ Stander at this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And then Scotland being at home, will they continue to play the amazing rugby that's kind of got them to this point now with Finn Russell and, and things? Or will they perhaps go a little bit more conservative to try and match Ireland's sort of kicking strategy that, that they play? So I think it'll be quite an intriguing game. In terms of who I fancy, really tough to call. Probably the hardest to call this weekend, in my opinion. Um, as I think Louis said, Ireland, Scotland's record against Ireland isn't very good. Um, so I actually have a sneaky suspicion that Ireland might, might steal it. Indeed, Louis did say that off air, by the way. It wasn't just some like telepathic understanding. Um, Louis, I might as well go to you next. Um, you think Scotland are going to bottle it, don't you? No, I think Scotland. Are, I think Scotland are good. I think. Uh, oh, okay. I think I have them as favourites for this game. As I did mention off air, they've only won once in their last ten games against Ireland. But just in terms of the game plans we've seen from Scotland in the first two games, uh, they just look really good. They look like they know what they're doing. I think their pack has been a lot more has looked a lot more mature and more sort of test level than it has in the past when they've not particularly looked up to snuff. And I think they'll be absolutely desperate to put in a big performance after having the chance to play France taken away from them a couple of weeks ago. So I just see them coming out and really putting it to Ireland. And uh, they're at Murrayfield, so that makes it a lot easier. Uh, I just think that Scotland have something special going on, and I think they should win this by 10, 15 points. Johnny, you're taking notes. What do your notes say? Uh, my notes say Andy Farrell sorted out the line out but suddenly the attack fell apart there's uh there's jolly bray there the reading age of a four-year-old um what what does that mean um well it means that during the autumn nations cup and coming into the tournament what we were all talking about was the set piece and how um ireland had really fallen off yeah but actually i think their um, set piece has kind of sorted itself out uh bringing in paul o'connell's clearly helped and um, unfortunately, it's just their attack that's pretty dire at the moment, um, which is a shame uh, because they've got such attacking prowess at 9 and 10 and also out on the wing with James Lowe and other players. So I'd like to see more from them. I think Scotland really could give them a proper spanking here this weekend. Um, I feel like uh, they're going to be furious after um, the previous game, uh, very similar to what's already been said. Uh, and I feel like they'll be really motivated. But if Ireland get the win, that's something for Farrell to work with and to move forward. If they don't and they and they get the one win against Italy and call it a day for the tournament, then Farrell could be in a bit of trouble moving yeah. forward. Yeah, where do... OK, so if Ireland do lose this game, as it seems that three of you think will happen, I'll come to Tom Aston in a sec, where, where, does, where do Ireland go from here? What is there in the future for them? Is, is Farrell still going to be there in a month's time? Let, let's say that Ireland and England both lose. I think Ireland will win, but let's say that they both lose. Then that game uh, next week at the Aviva becomes huge because it will be two teams who have only beaten Italy and that's a real game for pride and potentially keeping their coach in a job. I, I think um, I think 
whilst it probably wouldn't be the end for Jones um, or for Farrell, I think it would definitely be an end for a lot of the uh, older players in both squads. I think the dailies, the youngs, there are a lot of the players that we've sort of been saying, maybe it's time to look at someone different. They, I think they'd go. And I think maybe, um, maybe one of Murray or Sexton or uh, some of the older players in that Island squad could also go. Especially that Island team. I mean, they picked a really experienced team having opted for a bit of youth before the tournament and it hasn't looked like it's paying off. Thomas, please give me some positivity regarding Ireland. Surely you, a very positive man generally, apart from that one Italy segment, which was a bit of a blip. Surely you think they have a chance. Come on. I guess the only chance I'd give them is that the former Ireland captain, Rory, Rory Best, this week said that they always bat themselves against Scotland physically. But that's quite a historical thing to say. And he's sounding a little bit like, you know, the old man in the pub who's shouting at younger people there. Yeah, Ireland looking really dire, tails between their legs. Uh, Scotland, Scotland on the up, despite despite recent results. I think uh, they came into this tournament looking so exciting. There's now talk of Finn Russell, you know, getting a getting a Lions call up. I think I think they're going to do the business against Ireland. I'm going to conclude this section by asking you whether you think Farrell will be in a job at the end of the tournament. Not Owen Farrell, his dad, the Ireland boss. So I'm going to start with Thomas. Give me a yes or a no. Uh, no, he'll have moved across to Italy. Of course. <laughs> uh, poor Franco Smith. Um, Louis, what do you think? I think he'll still be in a job, just about. Okay, just I about. think the players are going to be the first to go. I think they'll give the coach another chance because of his pedigree. Okay, Johnny? Yeah, I also think the players will be first to go. And to be honest, I... I, 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 I I don't really like uh, sort of foresighting that someone's going to lose their job. It's a bit peak, but, um, but yeah, at the same time, uh, that's my Gary Neville hat there in case you didn't notice, Chris. Uh, that's the influence he has over me. But I do think that um, Ireland needs serious changing quickly. Otherwise, you know, it would just pass Farrell by. Uh, Tom, based on your attitude in the first third of this podcast, I reckon you're very keen to forecast whether someone's going to lose their job or not. Seems right up your street. I'm not that mean, by the way. Uh, I, I think Ireland will win the next two games, so he'll end the tournament on a high and all, all the previous first two games will be forgotten. But uh, that might not necessarily benefit Ireland because I agree that they need to make changes within the squad. I don't know why I've gone at you all podcast. You literally only gave me one miserable answer and I've just really, really ran with it. Can I ask a question? Yes, please. Uh, what does everyone think about the possibility of the women's uh, Lions tour? It's about time, yeah. But I think, as as I think you said in the group chat, or someone said in the group chat, that could be a bit of a problem with, but probably about ninety percent, maybe even more of that, would just be the England team. So that's uh, something that I have to sort out in future. But like, yeah, definitely time. Yeah, I feel like for real women's rugby, it might be a better idea to try a Ryder Cup style thing, where you mm. can bring in you know French players and other European players because it just gives you a slightly larger pool, and you can uh, you can bring a bit more of a bit more of a challenge to the Southern Hemisphere sides, but obviously that's not within the Lions brand, so we probably won't see that. But either way, it's a great idea, and I hope it goes ahead at some point soon. It would hurt the Lions brand, I think, if they if they started bringing Italian and French uh, women in uh, for the women's game and not the men's. But do you think... Um, but I, aren't, aren't France... France are supposed to be amazing, aren't they? Um, they're the second-best team in Europe, but they're also not professional like the other home nations. England are the only professional side. 
So that does give them a huge leg up on everyone else. Yeah, that is a huge advantage for England, to be fair. The Six Nations is pretty much my Glastonbury. For me, it's a six-week festival full of rock, banter, and some bloody good ruggers. Well, that concludes our Six Nations preview for this week. But before we leave, I'm going to go around and ask each of the panellists, my friends, I have friends, which player is worth watching this weekend? So I'm going to start with Tom Masters. Who should we keep an eye out for? I'm glad I got the first one because I feel like Lou would probably take the same one. Uh, And I'm going to take back a tower for France. Uh, He has X Factor. I think he's one of the best players in Europe when he's been playing for Racing and... I can't wait to watch him play and probably score a few tries. Exciting. Johnny Bray. I'm going to go with uh, Ali Price. I'm going with Ali Price because obviously he's up against Murray this weekend. And so I'm, you know, I'm optimistic that he can continue his great tournament and put in another huge bid for the starting spot in the Lions tour. So, yeah. Wicked. Uh, Louis? He may only be playing Italy, but I think Josh Adams is on for at least a couple of tries. He has a field day usually against slightly weaker sides. And uh, after missing the first two games due to that suspension, I think he could have a big one. And finally, Thomas. Uh, it's a bit cliche, but I reckon Lou Rees-Summit is going to absolutely tear it up against Italy. Provide, you know, provided there's no upset on the cards. And I'm kind of adopting a different approach this week to see if, uh, yeah. see if that does anything for Franco Smith and his boys. Yeah, maybe you've been the problem the whole time, just jinxing them before every game. Well, wonderful. I had a great time. I hope you guys did too. And we look forward to joining you at the start of next week as we review all of these wonderful fixtures. Anyway, enjoy. Goodbye. Thank you. Rugby is such a good sport and so are you for listening. Please join us again next week when I reckon we'll probably be still talking about the Six Nations because it's so bloody long. Please come back.